0: Now, I wanted wanted to begin, and I'm just going to my personal notes here. I have my preaching stuff, and then I have my personal stuff, and the Lord said, go to the personal stuff. So these won't be on the slides. But I believe it's important that we talk about this to start today. If we are not careful in our times of corporate worship, we can be distracted by those around us and not encounter who he is. If we're not careful in times of worship, we can begin to idolize a feeling instead of an encounter with him. Does that make sense? So oftentimes we can come into a time like this and people can come forward and be touched by God, fall over, have an encounter with the Lord. And they can actually build their doctrine on that experience. They can build their doctrine on the feeling that they get, the goosebumps that they get when they walk in, the the electrical impulses that go up and down their spine when they're walking in the anointing. And so sometimes you may hear in a worship service like, man, the anointing's flowing. I can tell you right now it is stronger in here than it's been in a few weeks. And, and what, what I want you to know is, is that if, if I, as your pastor, build what I am going to do off of that feeling, we will be misled from the Lord. And so I love the feeling, I get jazzed by the feeling, and I want to walk in it all the time, but that's not what God wants from us. He wants to encounter us. He wants to transform us. He wants to break off the bondages. He wants to be in this worship service together with us, but he doesn't want us to walk in our life looking for the next fix. We've got spiritual addicts that don't have any depth because they only look at the experience that they've encountered in the Lord and they don't have a walk of faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. If we focus so much on the experience and don't walk in the faith that God has, He's spoken a word, He's given you a dream, He's given you a destiny. If we don't walk in that and we just go from feeling to feeling, we become addicted to chasing feelings and that's why we have so many people that only come once in a while because they're going from here to there to there to try to catch the next feeling and I'm sorry but that is just bad discipleship. That is bad walking with the Lord. That is just an immature person and God wants us to grow up. God wants us to raise up to the level that, he, that he's called us to. How can we change the world if all we're doing is looking for the next feeling to make ourselves feel well? Because guess what, God isn't about that. God is about what are you going to do to build my kingdom? And there's a call on every pastor, every minister, and everybody in the room, and it says, go therefore and make disciples. It doesn't say, go therefore, have great worship services, fall down, have an encounter with me, and then do it again next week. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Every single nation should be our student. Every nation should be our student. So you can actually walk away from the faith that God says is essential to please Him. You can walk away from that because of an encounter or an experience that you have. Now, I'm all for experiences. I don't want you to think that I'm not. Believe me, on April 15th, we are going to have a blowout worship service. I think there's already five churches that are committed to come in, in this room and worshiping with us. And we're going to have experiences and encounters and amazing stuff. And after you sign your taxes and submit all that stuff and you can forget about the government, you can come in here and you can just worship the Lord freely. And I'm all for that. But what I'm not for is for a people that are so shallow that we think that that's all that God has for us because he has so much more and he's promised us so much more so he doesn't want us to live just on the high of a worship service and that's why Sundays are important because we come together share a testimony do all of that stuff and that's great but if we make Sunday morning the practice of the summit and that's all we do we're missing the Lord I was I was at, I was at a, a meeting this week and I sat in front of a camera for three hours with three other people and we debated business and marketing in 2021 and what does that look like and how does that happen and I met some pretty amazing people we were speaking to a group of college students who are ready to launch out into the world and begin their own businesses and so we were talking about it and uh, the question came from one uh, man from Uganda and he said uh, I believe it was Uganda I, if I'm wrong on that he can correct me but um, he said, so what makes you different as a church? What makes you different? And, and I, I, I had lots of things to go through my mind, but one of the things that I believe that sets this house apart is that we believe in people in their dreams. We believe that God has given you a dream and we're going to do everything we can to help you achieve it. And whenever I said that, it was like this ripple went through the room and people were like, that's not what you should hear from a pastor. But faith began to rise. And I want to tell you about a conversation. I won't mention the person's name, but um, I had a conversation in that meeting. There was a bunch of stuff going on. I was there all day, but something going on we were sitting in a circle of four people and uh and no cameras no anything and i i just felt the holy spirit say to ask this question to one of the people in the in the group and i felt him to say have you lost your dream have you lost your dream have you walked away from it and in that moment the holy spirit made a divine connection with this person And this person began to weep. I mean, we're in a corporate setting. We're in a setting where, I mean, there's a bunch of people in the room, but God began to work on this person's heart and transform every piece that was out of alignment with his will. And it was just because I had the guts to say, are you missing your dream? Have you walked away from your dream? And it was so amazing because I was there for another four and a half hours after that. And every time I encountered this person, this person said to me, you know, there was another piece that I didn't tell you. You know, there was another piece that I didn't tell you. You, there's There's this passion that I have to begin something that all my friends that work in corporate America that believe that I'm crazy for loving Jesus, that they would come work for my company so that they would have a foundation in the kingdom of God. Man, I'm so excited about that. I'm so impassioned about that. And you know what?" is so amazing about this, the person was only born again for two weeks. They grew up in a Christian home. They went off and did the worldly stuff and they came back to meet Jesus and he was there. And they were transformed. And two weeks later, she has an encounter with this crazy pastor dude who has funky colored shoes and sat down and had enough time, took enough time out of my life to say, How can I help you dream? That's what makes us different. That's what makes us kingdom people. You know, it's not about, are you coming to our church? Didn't even talk about our church in that conversation. I mean, I did whenever I was being interviewed, but didn't talk about our church didn't that's not my goal my goal isn't to bring the people here if they come here and they get filled up discipled sent out awesome but my goal is to be Jesus out there and when they encounter Jesus out there then they're going to be so excited that they're going to plug into somewhere Jesus is activated in their region And it's not about this, but I'm so excited that you guys bring people and we're growing and things are happening at the summit. I'm good, but that's not the goal. The goal is how can we be Jesus in the marketplace? So I want you to hear me again, clearly. It's not that I don't want the worship times or the experience. I just don't want to make that our doctrine. Do we understand? Because when we make that our doctrine, we lose our foundation. We lose it. It's completely gone. And then we got to go back and rebuild it. And there's so much going on in the world right now. Many people haven't built their foundation the first time. They haven't built upon their foundation the first time. So the thought of going back and rebuilding something that was just started is not even going to happen. And so we have to be so in tune with that. Now, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. So walking in faith is what God desires for us. Standing in faith is what God desires from us. Every single day, no matter what the weather's doing, no matter what the the political winds are doing, God wants us to stand on him in faith and what he's told us. He's told you each something. I know he has he told her her dream when she was young and now she's back in with him and her dream is powerful it's as powerful as it was she just walked away from it and so walking and standing in faith is where we need to anchor our soul so we are in this series called stand and it's been seven great weeks of hearing stories about scripture and I thank you for all those online that are commenting and all those that are texting and and all of that that it's good to just hear the stories and you're hearing different perspectives on the stories about things that have been written in scripture and so that's fun But today I've got to talk to you about something that may not be so much fun. It is a story, but it may not be so much fun because I can guarantee that in this story we're going to see ourselves on the wrong side of it for a while. Because every single day we stand on the wrong side of this story. And every single day we have to reevaluate what we are doing. You know, the world looks at people and makes them into heroes because of acts that they've done. I remember watching a plane land in New York on the water. And for, for a long time, Sully was, was proclaimed a hero. And I'm not saying that he wasn't, but they proclaimed a hero. And we can look back into history and see all kinds of heroes. Why are they heroes? Because they did something and they didn't want credit for it. My question is, are you a hero to the world? Are you a hero in the kingdom of God? Because he's asking us to do something and not want any credit. It's not about me. I'm not getting offended with you because I'm not here for your approval. He wants us to be so focused on sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we may be looked at as a hero in the earth, but he wants us to be looked at as heroes of faith. Heroes of faith that stand even when the world is intensely and fiery against it. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. This is the faith chapter, and there's lots of stories in there. But the Bible tells us stories about heroes that were not always brave, that were not always good that we're not always out to do it just to do it and not get credit. There's a lot of people that this scripture lists as heroes that were really flawed people. Thank the Lord. It gives me hope because I'm a flawed person. And the Bible says that those people became heroes, heroes of faith. Not heroes of experience. You see, that's the difference between the world and the kingdom. The world makes you a hero because of an experience that you were a part of, the kingdom makes you a hero because of the person that you're connected to. You see, when we anchor ourselves in experiences, we're just flowing in the works of the world. In many ways, there are people that in the Bible that probably are more flawed than you that God lists in this chapter as heroes. They've made more mistakes. They've done worse things. But this chapter is all about these heroes of faith. There is one thing that I know that pulls you out of any dark place, and that is faith. Faith. A belief in something other than the darkness will pull you directly out of that. What is it that Abraham believed on? He believed on a word and became the father of many nations. Sarah believed on a word and became a mother in her old age. Moses believed that he was going to rescue a people even when he couldn't speak. There's something in your life that has held you back from being everything that God has called you to be. And I'm telling you this morning that all it takes is a little faith and it can move your mountain. All these people and the people that I mentioned, and I was going to go through all the things that we've heard so far, but I'm not going to go through all those because you can just go back and watch them. But they're all flawed people that God says in his word are examples for us as believers of how to have a strong faith. The one that I'm going to highlight this morning is one that you all know. Whenever I say the story, you're going to know and you're going to probably put some of the emphasis of what I'm going to talk about back to a memory that you have. My encouragement for you this morning is whenever I say the name of this person, do not put any weight on what you know of the past experience with this person. And pay attention to the encounter you have with the Lord as we examine his life. You see, the Lord gives us Old Testament stories in New Testament times so that we can model after those Old Testament stories because they're relevant today. And that's what Hebrews 11 is all about. So what I want you to do is turn to Hebrews 11, verse number 7. By faith... Interesting, it starts like that. By faith, Noah... Being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Hmm. So when we hear the word Noah, we begin to think about the building of the ark. Yes, it is a part of his life. But a more significant part of his life is what fueled him for 120 years to continue to cut down trees, form them into boards, put them together, throw pitch on the side of this thing, and actually make it go. Because I'm sorry, if we think about the Noah story from the ark perspective, we're missing the 120 years of faith it took him to walk to actually achieve it. I'm sorry, but there's some people in the room that got a word from God and you went three weeks and it didn't rain and you gave it all up he went 120 years and you think 3 3 weeks is a lot God doesn't want to hear you complain about 3 weeks because he hasn't shown up in your time he wants you to just commit to doing it no matter how long it takes and so our faith walk is not about exactly what we're going to build it's about the walk it's about the walk Noah is the illustration of faith that was walked out on the earth and the Lord said, I want to put this in Hebrews and not just leave it in Genesis because in Hebrews, New Testament believers will actually connect with the story and understand that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we cannot see. And we need to attach to this story as much as we attach to other stories because I believe that when you see what happens in the story, not just the ark, but when you see what happens in his walk, you will be energized. Noah, Noah was warned of things that he had never seen, one of which was rain. How many of you have seen rain? How many of you would go out and build an ark for the next 120 years? He had never seen rain, and didn't know it was going to take 120 years, and yet he was faithful. I think that we've dumbed this word way down, and God wants us to raise our level of expectation for what he's about to do. Genesis 2, 5, and 6 tells us that there was no rain on the earth. It says, "...before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth because there was no man to till the ground." But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Now, some of the historians believe in science and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into that because that's not my area of, of deal. But some believe that there was this canopy of water that covered the whole earth. It came up from the ground. It was the same temperature all over. And if it could all be like Sarasota, Florida or, you know, you know, La Jolla, California, like Ohio, could be that way. That would be cool. But um, it's not that way now. But before the flood, that's what they say happened. But rain had never happened. I know because we are so inundated with stuff, it's hard for us to imagine something that we've if somebody said something to you that you had never experienced before, it'd be hard for you to really connect with it. So the first thing you would probably do is go to Google and say, "Oh, I've never been to Uruguay, and I want to know what it's like there." So you go and Google it, and you can find some information. The interesting thing is is that Noah had nowhere to go to find information other than the Lord. That was it. He only had the Lord to go to for information, and the Lord was a little stingy on what he gave out. <laughs> At least in my book. I would have wanted a little more plan there. But Romans 10.17 says, So when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So Noah goes into this project that he doesn't know the end to. He doesn't really know why he's doing it. Think about it. He's building an ark on dry ground a hundred miles from the nearest body of water. And we wonder when he says, believe me for a paid off house. We think that's a big leap of faith. Without the word of the Lord, we cannot stand in faith. Because there's nothing that we can put our faith and anchor it to if we don't have a word. I remember Ann Jimenez said that if I have a word, I can endure anything. Why? Because there's something to anchor faith to. If you just have a word. God wants to give you words all the time. Now, there's some out there that would say you name it and claim it. I'm more of the camp, you believe it and receive it, because he's already named it. Right? He's named it, we believe it, we receive it, and I think that Noah was in this walk of receiving something he did not know about because he had never experienced it. Hebrews 11.1 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He had to have faith because he couldn't see it i think part of the problem with the church in 2021 is we've seen everything or at least we think we have so it's hard to have faith because we've seen it i'm ready for a church to rise up that has faith to see things we haven't ever seen before i've never personally seen an arm grow out other than on video but i'm ready to see it i have faith that god can do that i have faith that if we brought a casket in here they could get up out of it but you know what If I've experienced all that, it's hard for me to have a good level of faith. The Bible calls hope. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's interesting, in in Hebrews 6.19, it says this, This hope we have as an anchor for our soul. Hmm. I think that oftentimes we put our anchor into something that doesn't have substance. And God is saying this, if you think about what substance really means, is that we are going to stand on substance. Substance. Stand on some kind of Substance. That means that we have to stand on something beneath us that is worth standing on. So I brought this little little contraption here and I thought about forcing Robbie to do this while I preach. But now, you'll watch in one second. You'll realize I don't do this on a daily basis. Because it's all about balance. So when you stand on it, You have to move and balance yourself, which I'm very not good at. There we go. We're getting there. We're getting there. There we go. There we go. Now, I was going to put a timer on you for five minutes and see if you could do it. (laughs) But what I want you to see in the illustration is that what is underneath your feet, the substance that you put your faith in, is really vital to how far and how long you can stand. The reason that we can only stand three weeks when God says, we're gonna, I'm going to heal your back and then we three weeks we're standing on faith, we're standing on faith, we're standing on faith and then ah, it's too much is because we're standing on one of these contraptions that's not actually him. And he's saying, get rid of this and come back to this. So turn with me to Genesis 6. We're, we read there about... Noah in Hebrews 11, a man of faith. I want to go back and actually read the story to you. If you highlight in your Bible, if you write in your Bible, this would be a great story that you're probably going to preach someday and change someone's life with. But I want to go through Scripture. This is my personal deal. I want to go through Scripture and I want to find people that stood on faith. In trying times because I know personally that we're about to walk through some trying times and so I want to know that when the trying times come that I can identify with somebody in scripture I told you a few weeks ago I totally identify I totally identify with people in scripture I identify with David I identify with different people I want to get this down Because whether sooner or later, there's going to be something that comes into my life that's going to require me to exercise faith, and I want to make sure I'm not standing on something like that. So what is the first thing we need to do when we look at people of faith in Scripture? We need to look at who they really are. Genesis 6-9 says this, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Well, there is the first thing that will disqualify us as believers if we aren't walking with him every single day. You realize if you decide and you make a declaration this morning that you're going to walk with God, that he'll walk with you. He's walking. He'll walk with you if you want to walk with him. And so we need to understand that this scripture tells us that Noah was a just man. That means that he was righteous. It says that he was perfect in his generations, which means no one around him had a bad word to say about him. And the only way that you get those two things in your life is if you walk with God because you're going to look more like him than you look like them. And you're going to relate more to him than you relate with the world. And that's where Noah existed. He wasn't perfect. Just continue reading Genesis. He wasn't a perfect guy, but he walked in faith. The most interesting part is the context in which he walked in faith. You see, I'm, I'm just here my heart. I'm not against anything. I'm just trying to be real with y'all. And that is, I don't know that if you take the Church of America and set it in a country that is anti-Christian more than we are, or going that way, into a, into a place and more than a, a small percentage of us would survive as believers. I'm just saying. I'm not condemning the church. I think we all need to grow. I need to grow. I'm first in line. I need to grow. But, but I don't think that when the pressure would come that we're that ready yet. And that's why we need to study these people because they give us a, a pathway to be real and to be able to walk and withstand some things. But I want to read how he did it and I want to read the climate in which he did this. It's not just that we stand on a word that God is gonna He's gonna bring our child back to Jesus. Totally love it. And for this person that I met this week, I'm celebrating with her parents. Man, this is a party. The, the wayward child has come home. And I believe that the next awakening, this revival that's coming to the church, is gonna begin with some of those stories. And maybe they're yours. I don't know. But I believe that's how it's gonna start. These wayward kids are gonna come back and say, Listen, I've made some mistakes. But here's the deal. The world is so enticing. And I want to read how bad it was in that hour. If we can't stand in this hour, are we going to stand in this hour? Now it came to pass when men began to multiply upon the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. Hey, at least we were obedient to the whole, you know, go out and populate the world. We were good on that part. The sons of God saw the daughters of men That were beautiful, and they took wives in themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, Now, just to give you a little thing, this is the Nephilim. These are the fallen spirits that are having, uh, they're entering men's bodies, they're having uh, relations with women and producing demonized people. That's what's happening. The Lord said this, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he indeed is flesh, yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. You know, before that we were talking we were talking many hundred years. We were talking like man was man was good and, and trying to trying to make this thing a go. And now God's saying, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna allow the nonsense to continue. There were giants, this is the Nephilim, on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was very sorry that he made man on the earth And he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said this, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. And the next verse said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Woo, come on. He found grace in a time that was completely anti-God. The demonic presence in that hour was crazy. The demonic strongholds, the demonic presence was so crazy, and yet Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. Noah was walking with God when nobody else was. He was walking with God when it wasn't popular. He was walking with God when it didn't seem like the thing to do in the day. That's just who he was. He was not the rule. He was the exception to the rule. Are you the exception this morning? When you walk with God, you will be marching out of step with the world because God walks to a different cadence than the world walks because the world has fallen. So the whole world in that time had become wicked, like crazy wicked. And, and so God's going to talk to Noah in a personal way because he's a personal God, but you only hear a personal God when you're close to him. Some of these you'll get later. So what was going on in the world? I'm just going to list off some of these. You ready? Immorality, violence, looting, vulgarity, profanity, lying, killing, blasphemy, and demon possession. The fallen angels, who are a sexless spirit, infiltrated evil men who had relationships with women, producing demonized population. Do we understand, real quick, we're Pentecostals, I'm just going to take a side note. Do we understand how demons work? They need a host right? It's a spirit. The spirit of God needs to be in man because man has authority on the earth. So if the enemy, the spirit of the enemy, right? The Satan and his spirits that got cast out of heaven are on the earth. They have no power or authority unless they're in mankind. And so that's why when Jesus went and found the demonized guy, right? And the chains and all crazy, right? And then he's getting ready to cast out these demons. They said, wait, 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 send us to the pigs." Right? Because they needed a host. And if he was just going to cast them out, then they were going to go away and never come back. So what was happening was in that time and in today's time is that these demons were finding hosts in people. And we're going to go down this trail, so hang on to your seat. But we have to understand how demons work or we just think that they're all little things over there and they, you know, whatever. No, no, they want to be in you because that's how they get their power. And so they they come they're they're all around. They've got assignments to stop you from getting to your destiny and they want to come upon you and in you. But if you're already filled with the Lord and you don't give them a gateway, they can't get in. So in this time there were there were humans that were giving a place for the demons to rest and do their deal cuz then they have authority. You okay if I just go a little strong here? Yeah. Okay. So, so here's here's what happens. You're a believer or non-believer, doesn't matter. You commit a sin. And you can confess that sin and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We got that, right? But if you allow that sin to stay. If you allow that sin to stay in your life, It is a doorway for the demonic side, the demonic presence to come and infiltrate your life. And then the world would call that an addiction. Thank you for the thunderous silence. Okay, so so here we go. Sin unresolved is an open door for the enemy to possess you. And then you come to church and you confess your sin and you feel like it's all good. And then you go home and when you go home, you turn on the computer again and up pops the pornography and you jump right back into sin because you didn't take care of the spiritual problem. So we have a world That is so medicating the result of the sin and not dealing with the spiritual problem that we're never going to get anywhere because these demonic presences have a stronghold on human beings that need to be free. So the world calls this addiction, the Bible calls it spiritual stronghold. And you wonder why our society is so messed up is that we've given homes to demonic presences and we only deal with the outpouring of the, the, the symptom, not the actual problem. And so it's this cyclical behavior of allowing this demonic presence to control and consume us. God wants us just to be Free and to close off all the doors when, when they leave and fill ourselves with Him. And when we're filled with Him, we just got to guard the doors. The doors. Yeah. We got to guard the doors. So sin is bad. But continued sin opens yourself up to be in this place where God said, Listen. I ain't striving no more with y'all. You got me frustrated. Now, is he going to flood the earth again? No. But I can guarantee you're not going to achieve your destiny. 100%. So the demonic world had gripped the culture, and it still says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Whew. That means he was guarding his gates. That means he was so walking with the Lord that anything that came from the world was stopped at his gates. And he said, listen, this doesn't align with what my dad says. This doesn't align with what my dad says. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My dad says that he's going to send something to the earth and it's going to destroy all mankind and all animals. And what you're telling me to do isn't really going to do it. But here he is. The odd man out maybe you're the odd man out at work maybe you're the odd man out at the grocery maybe you're the odd man out in your family no excuse no excuse the world's hot no excuse it says he walked with God and he was righteous Romans 12.2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We already said that this morning. He wasn't agreeing. He wasn't agreeing with the world just because everybody else was doing it. He was agreeing with what God said. And oftentimes we are so ignorant to the word of God that we don't know what God says about us, so then we have to agree with something. Noah had a goal that we should have. Noah's goal was every single day I'm going to walk with the Lord and if he wants to rip things out of me, he has full right to do that. And I'll be better off because of it. If he wants to take out that attitude and put more of his love in there, I'm cool with it. I'll let him do whatever he wants to me because I'm in relationship. You see, the kingdom works on relationship, not on encounter. It works on discipleship, which is relationship. And that's how we grow. I want you to think about the biggest and highest pressure situation that you've been in when it comes to your faith. Your faith was being tested. It was being ground together. The enemy was just going after your faith in every way that he could go after it. And think about doing that walk. I I can guarantee you've all had that situation and you are on your knees, you're you're going back to the Lord and you're saying, Listen, you told me this, and everything in the world looks like it's against me. You told me, you told me, you told me, and you're crying out to the Lord. And Noah did that for 120 years. And he was faithful. It's easy to be a Christian in this room this morning. It's easy to be a Christian in this country. At least for now. It's time to make a move. It's time to make a move. You see, the world was that way because many people didn't fear God. The world is the way it is today in the country and the place that we live and around the globe because the people that feared God stay inside the building. And they make it about encounters and experiences, not about being world changers and getting out into the world and saying, listen, you have, you have a demonic presence in you and it shouldn't be there. Oh yeah, I'm addicted to alcohol. No, 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 no. That's just sin. That's fine. There's a demonic stronghold inside of you that needs to be gone. And the Lord has given me authority to do that. So be gone. Now, I'm not gonna leave you. This is the The problem. I'll tell you a secret. The problem is, there's a lot of people that like to cast out the devil because it's exhilarating actually. When we stand in victory, have, have you ever won something? I remember we won a tournament one time and we were like cutting down the net and doing all this stuff and we were like so excited. That's what happens when we deal defeat to the enemy. At least that's how I feel. <laughs> Again, you lose, <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, so, so we cast out the devil out of this person's life, and then we walk away. And the scripture says if we don't feel that, that he's coming back with a lot more stuff, and we leave people worse than they were when we met them, and God is saying, no, I want you to cast out the devil, I want you to walk with this person in their ugliness for a while, because they're probably still gonna sin for a while, they're probably still gonna have some ugly, dirty habits, and I want you to go sit with them, and talk with them, and love on them, and be a part of their life. And then when they have questions about, well, should they go sleep with these other people, you can say, listen, that would be going back to where we came from, probably not a good deal. I've got a better idea. we got this group at church that, that really loves the Lord, and I know you don't even know what that means right now, but they're going to help you stay on track. And they're going to disciple you into wholeness. And those desires that you have right now, although they are real. See, part of the other problem, man, there's so much. Part of the other problem is is we don't really believe that their feelings are real. Yes, they are. But they're of the enemy. Yeah. So we have to counteract that, and we have to acknowledge that their feelings are real, but we have to say, listen, I understand that you feel that you're attracted to the same sex, but that's not how you were created, and so there's truth that we can stand on that will break the bondage of your mind, and your emotions, and your feelings, and all the stuff that you've been walking by, and if you just walk with the Lord and stand on truth, all that stuff gets fixed. Whew. So the Lord is walking with Noah. And I just imagine the conversation. He walks to, he's walking with Noah, and he's like, Hey, Noah. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to destroy the world. And I need you to build a boat. And, uh, yeah, Noah, Noah, you need to tell other people about this. Yeah, yeah. You see, the problem with our walk with the Lord is that he whispers a lot of times, We're so far away, we can't hear him. We tout that we walk with the Lord, and yet when he whispers, we keep going in the grocery line, but he whispered about the lady in the milk section, and he said, go talk to her. She's got a demonic presence, and you can free her right now, and she'll be forever changed, and her family will come to know who God is if you just listen to me. But there's so much noise So I just imagine that God is whispering to Noah because sometimes he just whispers to you. And if you're close to him, you'll actually hear it. But why did he whisper? Why did he tell him the secret? Why did he tell him something like that? Because he cares for you. He cared for Noah. And he knew that if Noah did what God was saying, he would be saved. Let's continue reading in verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked on the earth and behold it was corrupt for humanity had corrupted its way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of humanity has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of people and behold I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. So God says to him in a whisper, I believe it was a whisper, we'll find out someday. Listen, I'm going to destroy the world and I need you to build a boat. I think the Lord's asked you to do some weird stuff. I know he's asked me to do weird things. And one thing I do know is the weirder things that he asked me to do, the bigger he shows up in the end. The weirder the Lord asks you to do something, the more faith it takes to stand on it. And in your stance, you build up this muscle that we call faith. And when He is ready to release that thing into the world, nothing's going to stop it. And it's going to be big. but we've got to hear him. So, he didn't know what a flood was. He didn't know what rain was. He knew about a boat, because I'm sure he'd seen one before, but this boat wasn't like the boat that you see next door, the one you pull behind your truck. (laughs) So God was warning him, saying, I'm going to do something that you've never seen before, and I'm going to show you just a little picture. Just a little picture of it. Now, the remember, a hundred miles away is water. Build a boat here. Hmm. It just seems weird to me that God would do it that way. But the kingdom is upside down. He'll ask you to do things that you think are just completely off the wall, because He wants to break through our mentality and our reasoning so that we walk in faith. And that's what he was doing with Noah. Now, I'm not gonna get into the technical details of this, but you know it was a big boat. So if we go just in things that we can understand, because I'm not into qubits and all that. Uh, so it was a football field and a half long and four stories high. And some of you have actually went and saw it, right? But here's the thing, he didn't tell him anything else other than gopher wood, big boat. (laughs) Gopher wood, big boat. So I'm wondering if when he's out chopping down the first gopher tree, if he really understood how much faith he was releasing. You see, it's not just in how you begin what he's asked you to do, it's how you complete what he's asked you to do. Some of you will get that later. Genesis 6.22 says, So Noah did these things according to everything that God commanded. He completed the project. God will not move in what he's called you to do until you complete the project. He doesn't say he's going to show you every step of the way. He doesn't say he's going to give you plans. I find it very interesting that he had no navigational things that God had showed him. So first of all, you're building this on dry ground. You're 100 miles away from water. You say you're going to destroy with a flood. Don't really know what that is. You say you're going to bring rain. Don't really know what that is. I do know about boats, and I've got to know how I'm getting back to where I started. So can you please show me that? And God didn't even give him that. He didn't tell him how to get the animals to the ark. He didn't tell him how to feed them for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't tell him any of that. What have you backed away from in your life because God didn't give you every single thing? There's lots of things that God has given you pieces of. And the reason why he hasn't given you any other pieces is because you haven't been obedient in faith on the first piece. And so when we're obedient in faith on the first piece, he says, okay, now, put pitch on this thing so it doesn't leak. So if we stand in faith, we can, if we have enough faith, we can complete what he's asked us to do and then he'll show up. This is why relying on experiences is like standing on this. Right? relying on experiences is like standing on this because they come and they go but faith on his word is strong he exercised his faith every single day I don't know how many trees you'd have to cut down to make that big thing and I'm sure that they have the research on it and know how many trees To make that whole deal. But I know that he didn't have a chainsaw. And I know he didn't have a mill unless he figured that whole thing out way ahead and then we lost it in time. But I go back to the fact that for 120 years he exercised his faith. He just continued to exercise his faith. He had days when I'm sure his faith wasn't as strong as other days. The only concern that I have about Noah and that I want to figure out in the spiritual realm is he had no one to go to except for the Lord. Oftentimes we rely on other people's voices to give us insight into what we should be going to God for and that's why we haven't attained what he's asked us to attain because we've taken human interaction which we believe we heard from God. I don't know, I've just been very recently I've been not saying so much when people come to me. Because when I open my mouth, the authority of the Lord goes out. And I better be sure. Better be sure. And so I've just been quiet a lot lately. Ask a lot of questions. Allow the Lord to speak. Because we can get ourselves into trouble when we go to other people or when we speak to other people and give them advice out of our natural self because it distracts them from what God has told them to do. Now, I want to add this little piece in there cuz I think it's awesome. Noah appears all throughout scripture, so just do a search on Noah and you'll find all kinds of cool things. There's one verse that just invigorates me. 2nd Peter 2:5 says this, "Noah was a preacher of righteousness." That's pretty cool. I thought he was a boat builder. I thought he was a man of faith. But he was a preacher of righteousness. You know, the word tells us the thing that he wants us to understand about this and Peter says, I want you to understand that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. When in the world did he have time to do that? I believe that he got up every morning because they didn't have light. They they couldn't go flip on the switch. We were just talking about that this morning. You realize why we're on daylight savings time? Because we're too stupid of people to understand that in 1800, they did this, or 1900, they did this whole thing because we were trying to conserve oil, uh, kerosene, and candles. Like, we're way past that. Let's just keep the time the same. Come on, stop messing with our people. Half the people will get this sermon an hour late at home. (laughs) That's why. I don't want you to miss it. (laughs) But let's just get, let's just not worry about laws from 1900. And let's like get into 2021 and say, hey, we're going to stick with this hour. (laughs) Anyway, just a personal deal. So it says he was a preacher. So I imagined it this way, that he was in the daylight, because they didn't have kerosene. In the daylight, he was... Out there cutting down trees, milling them down, building the wood, putting pitch on the deal, and then at night was the only time that he was going into the city and he was saying this God's gonna send a flood. What's that? Don't know. <laughs> I know it's a bad deal though, because he said he's gonna kill everybody. So if you wanna repent and come with me, you can. So he goes over the next morning. Why am I doing this? Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Then at night he goes back over and he sits down with the prostitute and he goes, listen, he's going to send rain. What's rain? I don't know. (laughs) Sometimes that feels like preaching in 2021. (laughs) God wants you to be free. From what? From what you're walking in. (laughs) Although I would love to just have one sermon. It's going to rain. But we have to continue to make this thing roll, right? So we continue to go back to the Lord. He gives us another word. Continue to go back to the Lord. Listen, let's just get this word. This word right here, Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is a power for salvation for everyone who believes. Let's get that down. Let's all take that out for the next month. I'm going to preach that verse. We're just going to do this over and over and over and over and this place will fill up. You see, the problem is, is we put so much weight on the pastor's word that we stop going to the word ourselves and that when we stop going to the word and the walk ourselves, we become very shallow people. And I can't bear the weight of the pressure that you're coming here just to hear a word from God. You should be hearing words from God coming here to get the confirmation. It was never supposed to be this way. Constantine messed it all up. Like, but we're doing it. I want you to think... This has been, and, and I don't want to go into the political deal, but I'm going to go there. You put a sign in your yard or a sticker on your car to say that you support a candidate, but you can't go out and read Romans one sixteen to the people and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You know, some people were ashamed to put that T-R-U-M-P sign in the yard. They were ashamed because they thought that people were going to burn down their house. Well, if you're ashamed about that sign or the other sign, I don't even know if they had signs, did they? I didn't see any. Anyway, sorry, sorry. So, (laughs) sorry. So, I'm still confused on the whole deal. Sorry about that. Don't know how you can't see anything, and yet, never mind. Okay, so you put the sign in your yard, but some people didn't because they were ashamed, and so we have believers who won't even put a statement on their Facebook page because they might get persecuted by their family. This verse says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Well, guess what? The world is getting darker because we're ashamed of the gospel. He proclaimed his faith in every time he hit that piece of wood, in every time he put pitch on that deal. He proclaimed his faith when he went into the city and said, it's going to rain. I don't know what it is, but it's going to rain, and it's going to be bad. I'm telling you, it is. He proclaimed his faith over and over and over, and I'm telling you today that the American church and the pastors that I talk to, our whole life is spent trying to motivate you to do this verse so that we can see people come to know Jesus. And we spend a lot of time and energy doing it when it should be in us, the hope of glory. I'm not complaining today. I don't know what's come over me, but we're, we're doing it. But, I, but I'm telling you that if we just got the simple things of the gospel straight, the world would be a different place. And yet we make it about church, and it's not. It's about the kingdom of God revealing itself. It says, all of creation, Romans tells us, all of creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? That means that you understand the gospel, you've received it, you are now a son or a daughter of God, and now the gospel is not about you, it's about everybody else around you. And the problem is that we've become so selfish that the gospel is so much about us that we don't share it with anybody else, and then we're ashamed whenever we have to present the gospel in the world that gets darker and darker and darker every day, because now now we gotta get out of our selfishness and get into this proclaiming of the gospel deal, and we haven't practiced it. Yeah. Hebrews eleven seven says again, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned, God told him, about things he didn't see, didn't know about rain, moved with godly fear. What does that mean? He moved in awe. He moved in awe of God. Every time he's cutting down that tree, he's like, God, I'm so thankful that I am walking with you because I know that whenever I walk with you, I'm going to be saved from all of this. And that scriptures say, him and his household. Him and his household. We have so many people that hold their faith inside of themselves and their household is going to hell. And he's over here saying, listen, my family is going to see my face. My family's going to see my face and they're going to be saved with me. My family, they may not be with me here helping with the boat, but you know what? They're going to see my faith in this deal. And when the time comes, my faith is going to burst forth and everybody's going to realize they were wrong. I think part of the reason why we don't share the gospel so much is because we believe that somewhere along the way, maybe we missed a little piece of it and we're not good enough to say the whole deal. It's pretty simple. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. And if you just say, I'm done doing the deal myself and I trust you, things change. So Noah built the boat, saved his family. How did he do it? Because he walked every single day. He was over here worshiping while he did his, it says he was in awe as he did the work. He was worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. Then he was over here and he was witnessing, witnessing, witnessing. And then he was over here worshiping and he did that for 120 years. I don't know if any of you have heard it through the whole sermon. There's this chirping sound above my head. It's the wood cracking or something. I don't know, but I'm going to read this to you. I'm not making it up. It's right here. I'll show you afterwards. And then, after twenty, 120 years of silence, he heard drip, 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 drip. And he's like, whoa, we got to do this deal. So all the animals are coming. They're coming. They're coming. And he gets in the ark, him and his family. And it says, by his walk of faith, he condemned the world. Our walk should be condemning to the world, everybody. We should be so much in faith that we don't look anything like the world and they should feel condemned. Why? Because we're standing in righteousness and they want what we have. You know how many people were banging on the door? Neither do I, because the number's too high. As the water got up to about eight feet high, I can guarantee there were people banging on that door, wanting to get in. We have the answer, we have the anecdote to every disease in the world. At our disposal, there will come a day when God will make it very clear where He stands on every issue. He's giving us insight into what He believes about these issues, and He gives us insight right here. But one day He's going to be standing here and He's going to say, This is my ruling. Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the question. There was a moment that came in Noah's life when he realized that everything that he had believed and worked for and and labored for was truth and everything else was a lie. If you walk in faith and stand when the world is coming against you on the word that he's given you, there will come a day when the truth of what he spoke to you will outlast every lie of the enemy. So don't be deceived. Don't give him a crack in your armor. Don't sin and not take care of it. Confess it before the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Don't allow the enemy and demonic powers to come into your life and conquer some great things. Now, how do we know this is true? Some of you may say that's just a fairy tale. That's just a story in Scripture. Jesus actually talked about it. Matthew twenty four thirty-seven to thirty-nine. But as the days of Noah were, so are also the coming of so will also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark were living in the days of Noah. And it will get darker and darker and darker, and we are required to stand. by faith Noah I'm going to ask you this week to do some homework I want you to take Romans eleven seven. 7 I want you to write it in your notebook and I don't want you to do this arbitrarily I wasn't able to do it the first time either but I want you to write it out and everywhere it says Noah in that first part sorry in the first part where it says Noah I want you to leave a blank And I want you to ask yourself, I want you to go before the Lord. I want you in your time with Him and your walk with Him. I want you to ask the Lord to give you enough faith to write in there, by faith in your name. God's warned you of things that you haven't seen in your spirit. He's given you a divine plan in your spirit. By faith, Rob, being divinely warned of things not yet to come, moving with godly fear, was obedient. That's what I wanted to say. Will you do it? Will you write it down? Will will you be able to put faith to the test? Would you stand with me? I know this morning that we've laughed. It's been good. None of that was planned, so that's good. Um, The Lord likes to make us laugh and then inject us with truth. He's good that way. That little anesthetic of laughter helps the pain of the injection. (laughs) But some of you here, in a room this size with this many people, Somebody in the room is dealing with what we talked about today, 100%. As I sat before the Lord and prepared for this, I wanted to go many different ways, and this is the way that he told me to go. So here's one thing I know. As I yield myself to the Lord, the Holy Spirit will guide what I need to say to impact you where you are. And that's why we scrapped everything. You don't even know what was scrapped today off of this thing. I... There was a lot of stuff we were going to do and it's not happening but I think it's because, I believe it's because someone here needed to hear that even though sin is not good, God has forgiven you. And the thing that you haven't been able to run away from is not just sin. It's a stronghold of the enemy in your life. And I would be horrified if I didn't give an opportunity for you to get rid of that today because the world is so hard it's just hard and I know that there are temptations there are things that keep us or can keep us from walking with the Lord And I'm not more demon conscious than God conscious, believe me. But what I do know is that there are people that need to be free in this place. And so, I'm not going to do anything fancy. He's already working. I don't need to do it. But as Robbie plays, as Caitlin sings, I just want you to ask him. This isn't about what Pastor Rob wants it's not listen I'm totally fine to walk out of here with no one coming forward but I don't believe that's what he wants to do and it's not to come forward to express I'm addicted to something it's not about all that if you're that condemned you need to be up here just lay it before the Lord and allow him to heal you So I just want you to bow your head. I just want you to take some time with him, really. You can, you can hit the lights if you want. I just, I feel like we're supposed to wait. And if God has moved on you today, then today is the day. No longer can there be a distraction of the world. You have to be solely set on what he has told you. And if you want to change that today, then feel free. We'll come, we'll pray for you, we'll agree with you, we'll do what we need to do, whatever the Lord says. But if you walk out of here and you haven't done that, then you can live in cyclical behavior till next week and hopefully you come back. Or hopefully you're not distracted by something or derailed by something. And I know this was long, but I want you to understand the seriousness of this. Noah could have lost his family. He could have lost his life. He could have lost it all if he didn't walk in faith. So as they play, would you just ask the Lord if there's something that he needs to change in your life? If there is, come forward. We'll pray with you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Today's message. I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, the summitdover.com, or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.